Well, my name is Austin Edwards. I am extremely excited to be here. I'm on, I'm on staff with City Light. And I am extremely excited um, that Andrew gave me the longest passage we'll study through this thing. Um, so basically, if, if you've been with us, we've been going through Colossians. And, and Kent, he um, just the last week, he got these amazing verses that basically say that we were alienated um, before Christ and that through Christ we can be reconciled to him. All right, and then um, Andrew, just a couple weeks ago, then he got these other amazing verses that say that we were once in the domain of darkness, but now we're transferred into the kingdom of his beloved son. And then, um, do, you, do you guys want to know what, 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 uh, what I get? Your, your suffering... Um, to um, fulfill or fill up what is lacking in Christ's suffering. So uh, it's, it's a little different than the last couple of verses, so it's going to be amazing. Let me read this uh, with you guys. I'll read this together. Um, uh, I think it'll be up here. So it's Colossians 1, verses 24, all the way through 2, 5. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for the ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, they're talking about Jesus, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. For you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. That their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Jesus. Uh, a little long. A little confusing, but I think tonight is going to be great. I really, really do. Um, so I would say, um, in, in my main um, my main job here at City Light is to lead worship. So I basically sing and play guitar for a living, right? And then Andrew's like, "Hey, I want you to to preach this." Okay, we'll give it a shot. Let's go, Holy Spirit, help me. Um, thought you guys are really listening up, but you're not yet. You will be. Trust me. I'll get you guys there. It's going to be a slow process, but I'll get there. But I believe that after tonight, my hope is that um, you would all be encouraged and hopefully spurred on to rightly view um, the purpose of our life as a Christian. Okay, now before I get into these verses, I just want to tell a quick story. Who among you, um, how many of you guys would consider yourself a good swimmer? Like, show of hands. Like, you're not going to drown in the deep end, right? So there's a decent amount of you. Okay, okay. Well, maybe I'm not as cool as I thought I was, but um, I'll, go, I'll go from here. Okay. Basically, um, I, did, I did wrestling the first two years of high school, and then, thank you, um, I, was a, I was a buck 12 back then, I'm pushing a buck 70 now. Anyways, um, and so, so from that, um, I decided, you know, my junior year, I'm going to switch it up and do swimming. And I was abruptly aware that swimming competitively is extremely hard. 
I was also aware, uh, abruptly aware, how uncomfortable it was to wear a Speedo. I'm sorry if I painted a picture in anyone's head. I'm sorry. That's not good. Um, but back to the story. See, you guys are getting there. We're getting there. Uh, it's okay to laugh in here. It's okay to celebrate and clap. And I love amens. If you guys don't want to feel an amen coming, just, just give it. I promise it'll get me fired up. Um, but in swimming, we did this thing called 50-50s. Now, um, every Tuesday we would, uh, we would do this or we, we would attempt this. And if you're not familiar with swimming like measurements or pools, a 50 is a, a lap all the way down the pool and back. It's a 50-meter swim. Um, the 50-50 challenge was basically that you would do 50, 50s in 50 minutes. Now, um, we would start, we would dive in. Caitlin, you're probably like, this is every day for me. But uh, we would dive in, and um, we would swim, and we'd come back, and then we'd have to pull ourselves up out of the water. And then when she'd blow the whistle on the minute, we'd jump back in. Um, and then come back and pull yourself out of the water. Now, if you didn't swim the 50, that 50 in under a minute, you were disqualified. There were only a couple of the elite swimmers that accomplished this feat throughout, throughout, the, throughout the year. Um, and now, if, for math, 50 times 50 is 2,500. So um, that's meters. If you equate that to miles, it's over a mile and a half swimming in 50 minutes. Um, and if you were trained well enough to do this, you would receive the infamous 50 shirt. It's like this, this great plain shirt, but it just had a 50 on it. Everyone wanted, um, let me tell you this. The people that wore those things, those people were no joke. Like they were like, okay, this guy's done a couple things. This girl's done a couple things. Um, and so um, this far in the semester, um, I am proud to announce that I got 1650s. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and and so, so anyways, from that, I, I was pretty happy with my 16. A couple girls got more than me. And maybe like one or two. Yeah, we won't really mention that. Uh, we uh, basically, um, I think a couple people would do it every year. So all the swim team, a couple people would finish it. Um, and so um, basically, this was the last time we were doing it. And um, my friend and I had just got McDonald's for lunch. So we're like, dude, we're ready, right, physically. Like, let's do, let's do work. We got McDonald's, a double quarter pounder in our stomach. Let's go. And so we start. And um, I was behind him, um, and, and we're swimming, and we get through 10. We kind of look at each other, we're like, all right, let's keep going. And so we go, and then we get to 20, and we're like, let's go. And so we get to 20, and then we get to 30. And, and, and it's kind of like my adrenaline's kicked in by this point. I don't even know who I am. And I'm just literally, like, piling through my arm, just keep going. And, and, like, and it was amazing. And then we get to 40 laps through 40, 50s, we're still going. And no one else is in the water, it's just my friend and I. And everyone's cheering for us. They're like, yeah, I get it. Like, I just feel amazing, but I don't feel amazing. I'm like, I'm going to puke after I get out of the water. Um, I couldn't feel my legs, couldn't feel anything. And then finally, um, we finished the 50-50s. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, When I came out, I did think I was Michael Phelps for a moment. And then I realized I'm about a foot shorter and um, not nearly as good. Um, but it was one of the most amazing feelings in my life. It was like the biggest physical accomplishment I'd ever been through. And my friend and I, Chad, we grabbed each other, hugged each other. Yeah, we did it. Like we couldn't really pick up our arms. So we just like put our bodies together. Like, yeah, we did it. That's amazing. And uh, it was just great. It was amazing. Um, and then we got our much anticipated 50 shirts, right? And can I just 
admit right here, I wore that thing loud and proud. Like every other week, like you knew you would see me with the 50 shirt. So people knew that guy's done some things in his life. So I love that. And I just, I can't explain the joy that I experienced to have worked hard for something, um, had a community around me to encourage me and, and battled through the struggle. It was amazing. So the title, if anyone's taking notes of, of this talk is, I want that shirt. Okay. Now, some of you are thinking, what in the world does this have to do with these verses in Colossians? Honestly, nothing. But I just wanted to tell a cool story, so you thought I was athletic. Okay, I'm just kidding. Like, everyone would kill me if I just spent five, ten minutes on that. Um, I believe that it has a lot to do with our story to help us understand. And, and basically, um, I believe that, that this story will help us see how to pursue the goal that Paul lays out for us in this passage. My three main points for tonight that I'll kind of touch on are community— struggle, and then joy, right? And then the main idea we'll find, um, you can put that up on the screen, it's in, it's in verse 28. And Paul writes, him we proclaim, he's talking about Jesus, Jesus we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. So I believe Paul's big idea and purpose for writing these verses is to encourage Christians to look outward and help others to be mature in Christ. Um, Paul isn't okay with people just accepting Christ as a ticket to heaven, and then they kind of like go figure things out by themselves. Um, That was never the plan. Paul urges us to press in and not just preach the gospel that saves, but also preach the gospel that that the gospel not only saves us, but it actually sustains us. So let's dig deeper into um, see how community plays in this goal. I have a, I have a uh, slide up here, and so we'll kind of run through. Basically, um, in verse 24, it says, For your sake that he is suffering. Paul's talking about his suffering. Verse 25, um, given to me for you. And then in verse 26 and 27, I'll read it again. It says, The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints, to them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now God made the gospel, the good news of his love, inclusive by inviting all people into his love, not just Jews or churchgoers, not just the good or the qualified, but all who would trust in Jesus. This is a marvelous verse for the people in this room. Like, this is amazing. Um, His love is expansive. And then going on in verse 28, Paul changes to say him we proclaim and says that we aim to present everyone mature in Christ. And then in verse 1 in chapter 2, it says, How great a struggle I have for you. And verse 2 is what Paul is praying this community would look like. Right? He says that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, um, to reach all the assurance, uh, let's see, all the uh, riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. Paul makes a clear connection that a community that is knit together in love will assist in helping others know who Jesus is. I'm going to say that again. Paul makes it very clear that a connection, or a clear connection that a community that is knit together in love will assist in helping others know who Jesus is. And then in verse 5, Paul finishes saying, I am with you in spirit, um, rejoicing to see your good works or good order in the firmness of your faith in Christ. So, Paul is clear about his community focus. So I, I don't know how long you, you've maybe been in a Christian community. Maybe this is your first time tonight. Maybe you've been since you're a little kid, you've been in Christian communities. Mm, but we're not meant to be individualistic, right? Like Christians aren't meant to be self-centered or self-focused. Um, 
The theme of Christian community is not fend for yourself and make a name for yourself. The theme of Christianity is a community that's being knit together in love, namely the love of Jesus. Thank you for that. In Philippians 2, 3, um, it's another book that Paul, which is the writer of this book, he's writing and he says, count others more significant than yourself. When I was swimming, I genuinely know that I would not have finished those 50s. Like, I would not have finished 50-50s. I needed someone to push me. And I know I wouldn't have finished it if the crowd had been cheering me on. Like, I needed them around me. And it's the same thing with the Christian faith. We need encouragement. We need a community around us. And, and the biblical word for this that you would find, you wouldn't really find community. You'd find the word fellowship. Now, the Greek word for this, I know, I'm in seminary right now. I'm crazy smart. Just talk to me later. Um, the, the word, uh, no, I looked it up on Google and found it, so I hope it's right. Um, it's koinonio is, is the word. And, 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 and basically the word koinonio uh, means to contribute, to enter partnership, to share, or to take part. And, and one of the misconceptions of Christ, Christian community um, is that we, we come in to get filled up and to feel better. But that's not koinonia at all. Um, there seems to be in, in that word a family feel, right? Like it's, there's contribution, there's taking part. And, and here's why that's good news for you. No matter who you are, no matter what you've been through, no matter where you've came from, you've got something to offer. No matter how smart you are or how much training you have, um, you don't have to be the smartest person or um, the person with all the answers. You just come into our community and look for ways to love, right? Like, that's good, that's good, that's good news. And um, a good example of this is a young lady named Kristen Kowitzki. There we go, yep. Kristen. <laughs> Kristen is absolutely amazing. If you've met her, I'm sure you love her. She's a sweet girl. Um, and basically, she got plugged into City Light U a year ago. Um, Kristen was not walking with the Lord. She was um, struggling with a few um, different things, and um, she just decided to come to City Light U one night, I think is kind of how it came about, and um, she heard the gospel. She heard that the gospel is that Jesus comes to seek and save the lost. She heard that um, we could never out-sin the grace of God, but to know how, many, how much we sin, that God's grace would actually cover that, and he'd forgive us and love us. And so she gave her life to Christ. Um, and it's beautiful. And so she entered this journey, and here's what happened next. This is probably one of my favorite parts of the story. Um, two other girls, mainly, a lot of other girls, but two others specifically, um, came alongside of her. They um, loved her. They cared for her. They hung out with her. They lived with her. They, ate, they went out to coffee together, and they ate together, and they did all these things, and they showed her what community looks like. And she got to know in the, with the, through those two girls what Koinonia looks like. Just two college girls coming alongside her. Now, Kristen is a leader in our ministry. She leads, um, helps leads a city group. She got baptized. She's led other people to Christ. It's, in, it's incredible. And she is helping create a Jesus-centered, others-focused community within our community right here. Because two girls knew that um, the gospel was more, they just impacted more than just our eternity, but it actually impacted our here and now. They understood that, and Kristen is a product of that community. And so let me make this clear. You pursue community not just to fill yourself up, but to love others so they might experience Jesus. Um, the next thing we find in this passage is a fun one. It's struggle. 
I'm sure some of you are still wondering what Paul means in verse 24. That's kind of the weird verse of the, maybe the whole book. It's kind of hard to explain. And basically, if you guys will read with me, um, Paul says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church. Now, when Paul says that he's filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions, by no means is he saying that there is any lack in the atoning work of Jesus on the cross. Okay, so Jesus dying on the cross was perfectly finished. Like that was everything we needed for forgiveness. He was complete. He says it's finished on the cross. He, Paul is not talking about that. What he's talking about, many scholars believe, is that for Christians, um, when Christ ascended back into heaven, before he returns again, there will be a finite amount of suffering that we experience. Um, uh, like a little, there, there will be suffering that we have to endure. So what, um, what Paul is saying here is that I, he's rejoicing, saying that I get to be a part with, through every struggle, through every suffering moment, with every whip that hits my back, I'm actually bringing the day that Christ returned even sooner. Like, I get to be a part of Jesus, that, that suffering being like squashed, like finished, and, and Jesus coming back. Um, if you're a Christian in the room, um, don't be surprised when suffering comes. Uh, my wife, one of her favorite verses is John sixteen thirty three, and it says, In this world you will have tri- tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So what Paul is saying is that he's happy to be partaking in the suffering before Christ comes, because that means through every trial he is that much closer to Christ returning. And then and I'll just I'll walk through um, a couple of struggles that should be up on here. Um, in verse 24, Paul talks about suffering for the church. In verse 29, Paul says that he toils. And then in chapter 2, verse 1, he says, I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you. And, and Paul, this guy, he was no stranger to, to suffering. In 2 Corinthians 11, you can go there uh, maybe after this. Um, basically, Paul lists this, this plethora uh, of sufferings that he's went through. Now, in that time, one of the ways to punish someone um, was this thing called 40, minus, 40 lashes minus one. They believed that basically, if you would whip someone um, 40 times, that they would die. So, they'd whip them 39 times, so they, they would be as close as they could be to death without actually dying. Yeah, that happened to Paul five times. Then he goes on to say that he was beaten, that he was stoned, that he was shipwrecked three times. Now, if if that isn't convincing enough that that maybe the Christian should suffer, what about looking at the king that we adore, the, the person that we worship, Jesus? Jesus suffered more than anyone will ever suffer. He was perfect. He was spotless. He was God himself wrapped in flesh. And yet he was um, spit on, beaten, whipped, hung on a cross, and died. And if that physical suffering wasn't enough, while he was on the cross, he took our sins. So physical pain, extreme. Spiritual pain, even worse. Because before the foundations of the world, before time even began, him and the Father and the Holy Spirit were perfect in community together. And so they had always been perfect. The God, God could never be in the sight of sin. And so when Jesus sacrificed himself as our perfect substitute, he took on our sin. The Father had to turn his face away from Jesus in that moment for you. 
So for the Christian in the room, don't be surprised when suffering and struggle comes. Suffering has this weird effect that, that makes us look, forget about the goodness of God and look elsewhere to find and understand why it happened, right? We think, did I do something wrong? Is God m- mad at me? But Paul urges these Christians, as I'm urging you, do not lose focus of the gospel of Jesus. If you're wondering why we suffer, if you think you've suffered too much, look to Christ and wonder and worship of how Christ suffered for you. And uh, Luke um, writes in Acts chapter 5, verse 41, that, that Peter and the other Jesus followers were, were preaching Jesus, and they were going, and then they get beaten brutally, and then they leave rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer for the sake of the gospel. They were rejoicing that they just got beat. Um, it's kind of like, God, you would choose me to, to, to you. You would use me. You would make your gospel known through me. What a privilege. What, what an honor is what they're saying. You might be thinking, I've been following Jesus for a while now, and I've never suffered like that. Never been through anything like that. So, so what does it look like for me to, to, to struggle for the gospel? Well, I'm glad you all asked because I'm actually going to explain that in just a second. Um, realistically, thank you. Uh, <laughs> realistically, if you live in America and you stay in America for the rest of your life, you will never be beaten for the gospel and you will certainly not die for the gospel. But you are called to suffer. So here's some tangible ways that you as a college student or a young adult um, can, 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 can suffer for the sake of others growing in maturity in Christ. Money, time, and prayer. Money, time, prayer. And I know most of you don't have a lot of money, and that's okay, but, but, but what, what you do have, uh, are you saving that money for um, a new pair of shoes, an iPad, a new laptop, a backpack, a new jacket? I don't know what it is. Or would you consider saving that money so you could buy a coat for a homeless man? Rather than going out to coffee a few times a week and spending five bucks, would you maybe consider saving some of that and taking out a classmate to lunch to see what their story is? I'd encourage you to think of how you can sacrifice your comfort in relation to your bank account. And time is another way we can struggle for the gospel. The biggest enemy, hear me in saying this, the biggest enemy, I believe, to suffering is comfort. It's not extravagance. It's not riches. It's, it's sneaky comfort. We want our free time. We want our study time. If someone calls and is struggling with something and we're in the middle of something, let's be honest, we let it just ring. We just set it aside. We're like, I'll call them back. I'm guilty. That's me. I am selfish with my time. So I would encourage you guys, give your time like those two college girls gave Kristen to help mature her in Christ. Now, there's a group of guys in our community, um, a large group of guys that are extremely generous with their time. To name just a few, um, Colt Wakefield, and this is just if you're moving recently soon, Call these guys up. They'll help you. Colt Wakefield, Trevor Hagedorn, Blake Weatherly, Jake Peterson, Brent Regeer. The list goes on and on and on. These guys are extremely faithful. There's so many men in our ministry that have been sacrificial with their time. They've sacrificed sleeping in on a Friday morning or a Saturday morning to help a, um, a single mom move. I've seen them see a need and fill it, sacrificing and suffering in, a ho- in hope that others may see the glory of Christ. And the last one, the last way I want to call you to suffer is through prayer. In chapter 2, verse 1, Paul says, 
I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you. And that word struggle is a word derived um, uh, from, from the, the word we derive agony from. So, so in other words, Paul is saying, I want you to know how I agonize for you. And if we're being honest, like realistically, we don't like that 98% of people in Thailand will live their entire lives and never hear that Jesus died for them. Like, I know we don't like that, but are we frequently burdened by that thought? Like, when is the last time that your heart broke? I mean, really, really broke for the people that don't know Jesus. There have been people you walked by today that don't know that Jesus loves them. Yet we sit in our comfort and don't have the same agony that Paul is talking about. This prayer, it kept him up at night. Like it brought him to his knees. And I want us to suffer in prayer, praying that, God, would you break my heart for what breaks yours? And see, the good news is found in chapter 1, verse 29, when Paul says that he toils, struggling with all his energy, that God powerfully works within him. It will not be by your power that you see this through. It will be God's power working within you. Now, Paul begins this, this passage um, with rejoicing, and he ends the, the passage with rejoicing. And so in the first time, if you can put that up, the joy slide up there, um, the first time in verse 24, he says he rejoices in his sufferings, and he ends in verse 5 saying that he rejoices in seeing the firmness of their faith in Christ. So friends, let me assure you, um, there will be joy. And that word joy is often never associated with suffering in, in our common day today. But, but Paul says that no matter what the circumstance, there is joy found in seeing others experience the joy of Christ. If you feel like you're struggling with joy tonight, um, can I ask you if you're trying to find that joy in yourself? Unfortunately, you won't find it there. See, the key to joy is actually not focusing on joy. I think a lot of us are guilty of trying to find our joy in stuff, right? In, in a bank account, and a degree, in job security, in a boyfriend, and a girlfriend. But Paul had none of that, yet he was rejoicing. How? We see in verse 24 that he was rejoicing in his sufferings for the sake of the church in order that he might make, known the, wor- make the word of God fully known, which is Christ. See, Paul's joy was in seeing people meet Jesus and grow in relationship with him. But isn't this true of our community? Like, there is reason to rejoice and celebrate. Just to name a few, uh, a few months ago, our church had a baptism service in here, um, right over here, and we had 11 college students get baptized. Yeah, praise God. That's, That's 11 students that have met Jesus and matured in him. And then last summer, we had our first mission trip um, church-wide. It's just City Like You that went. We went to South Africa, and 15 of us left. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, and then of those 15 people, we ministered to people within a township and little kids and loved them, and six people accepted Christ while we were there. 
we got to walk with them and show them what it looks like to love Jesus and to walk with him. Every Tuesday night, nearly or over 150 college students meet in this space to sing about God and learn what it looks like to walk with him. Like, that's, that's incredible. And this summer, we have 15 students going, 15 people going to Thailand. And then we have 20 people going to South Africa. And then we have five people that are going on other mission trips. And we have other people that are going on year-long mission trips and all this. It's insane. That's over 40 people that will be suffering for the sake of the gospel to take it to the world. There is reason to rejoice. The question becomes... Are you looking for the opportunities and the stories that God is writing? And if you're in this room right now, hear me say this. You are a reason to rejoice. Our staff teams prayed and you're an answer to prayer. You. So here's my joy. It's not in a shirt that will fade. My joy is found in seeing Christ in someone. Our efforts as Christians don't result in the cool t-shirt we wear around. Our efforts as Christians result in real lives being changed. And for me, that's my friend Ben. I met Ben three years ago. Um, we were on a mission trip, on our way to a mission trip to South Africa. He had no idea what he was getting himself into. Um, and then, um, so we just immediately clicked. We were best friends, loved each other. And as we got back to the States, he thought, he said, Austin, would you consider discipling me? Would you consider mentoring me? And so um, over the last three years, we both got to go back to South Africa for six months. He was a groomsman in my wedding, and he'll be a dear friend for the rest of my life. I got to um, share my struggles with him in pursuing purity with my wife um, when we were dating and engaged. I got to, we got to read our Bibles together, just to open it up and see what it looked like. I got to go out with him and talk to people about Jesus. But three years ago, um, he was lost in sin, not knowing what a thing about walking with Jesus. But today I'm proud to say that Christ has done a mighty work in Ben. Ben shares his faith regularly. He disciples men and he leads a Bible study. And around two years ago, he started a relationship with a godly, beautiful woman named Katie. Um, we walked together as Ben learned how to lead and to love Katie in purity and how to guide her um, uh, and point her to Jesus. And about two months ago, I got to stand and officiate their wedding. And to be honest, I don't know of many other times in my life that carry such a joy. As I stood there, seeing them enter in a covenant of marriage, I know, I know that Ben will lead Katie well. I know that he will be a godly father to his children. I know Ben will proclaim the gospel in everything he does. That is the joy that Paul speaks of through community and suffering. God is faithful to mature people in Christ. And so my invitation is for two people tonight. The first is for the Christian in the room. Would you accept this as your goal? To preach Christ in order that other believers would mature through community, suffering, and joy. To preach Christ in order that others might um, mature through community, suffering, and joy. Would you be knit together in love? Would you sacrifice and suffer for the sake of others? And would you find great joy in seeing people meet Jesus and grow in him? You are qualified because um, Paul says in verse 29 that it's God's power that he works in us. Now, it's not going to be easy, but I promise you it'll be worth it.
And for my friends in the room that haven't um, trusted Jesus yet, yet, would you trust him? Paul writes in verse 28 that it's Jesus we proclaim. It's Jesus that we sing about. It's Jesus that we talk about. It's just Jesus. And then in Romans 5, 8, God says that he demonstrates his love and that Christ died for us while we were still sinners. We didn't deserve it. Jesus is extending grace and forgiveness and love to you. Not just to save you from your sin, but also to invite you into a mission that's bigger than yourself. Would you accept this great gift that is offered to you? It would be a great joy for our family to help see you learn how to walk with Jesus. And I want our community to come alongside you, care for you, walk with you, and love you. So friends, um, would we consider Jesus as our ultimate treasure? Committing our lives to him and telling others of his goodness that they might mature and grow with Christ. So let's pray. Jesus, um, I absolutely don't deserve your love. I absolutely have done nothing to deserve your grace. But God, you freely give it lavishly. You have loved me in a mighty way. And I thank you that that your Bible is so good to inform us. um, God, that you don't just leave us when we accept you. You don't just say, it's good enough that they're forgiven that you actually care about us and adopt us as children, that we're not just forgiven, we're not just, our plate isn't just clean, God, but that it's actually basked in your glory. And so I pray earnestly, God, for the people in this room and that they would know your great love, that they would experience your great love through this community. They would be knit together in your love. Jesus, would you do that in our community? Would we not look like the world? Would we not be self-centered? But would we be self-sacrificing, always looking how to serve one another, to care for one another, to love one another? Would we accept this great goal? Would we um, aim um, unceasingly to see people mature in you, God? Would we know that your gospel does save beautifully, but it also sustains us? It's not just a, just a one-time um, moment thing, but God, you stay with us with your spirit for the rest of our days. So God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. Would you let our hearts sing? Would you let us grow mature in you by your spirit, by your people, through community, through suffering, and through a great joy? And so we love you, Father. You're so good to us. It's in your precious and holy name. Amen.